You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. With the stock market and real estate at record highs and now a change in leadership in the U.S., a lot of people are concerned that a correction may be coming. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Today's guest has been studying these things for a long time and he's got some insights for us here on The Real Wealth Show. Bruce Norris of the Norris Group is known for his ability to forecast long-term real estate market trends and timing. In 1997, he wrote the California Comeback Report, which ended up being so accurate that those who listened created massive wealth during the subsequent bull market. Then in 2006, he wrote the California Crash, which predicted a serious market correction at a time when the world was bullish on real estate. I wish I had read that book back then. Today, Bruce Norris has more predictions like 2% interest rates and a demographic shift to the Southeast. Bruce is an active investor, hard money lender, and real estate educator with over 35 years experience. He's been involved in more than 2,000 real estate transactions as a buyer, seller, builder, and money partner. He's made money and lost money over the years and has since decided to stick with making money. And he's going to share with us how he's doing that today. Bruce Norris, welcome back to The Real Well Show. Thank you, Kathy. It's been quite a year. Uh, yes. You, you made big plans before all this happened. You moved from California to Florida. You moved a lot of your business from California to Florida. Are you glad you did that? Uh, yes, it, it was a gradual thing. About three or four years ago, I moved a lot of rentals to Florida. I had a chance to buy out a track of lots. My best friend lived in Orlando. He came and built them out. So. I, it's, it was a bit of prog, a process that started about three years ago, and it got fast forwarded um, very recently. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason that I, I got uncomfortable about a year ago, when I started to see rule changes that I didn't know could happen at a state level without a vote of the people. Yes, that that really bothered me. I thought, okay, as an investor, I want to know the rules of engagement. And when you all of a sudden you change the rules and I don't even get it to participate and I didn't know that you could even do it, that started to bother me um, because that makes me feel very uncomfortable because then my mind goes, well, what else can you do so without my permission? Specifically, which law are you referring to? Well, there were things that when, when I spoke around town uh, or around the state of California, I would hear different laws from different areas. And it, it just started piecing them together going, well, what the heck? Um, in Oakland, if you have a vacant piece of land that's not being used, you're fined $6,000 a year. Wow. Yeah, just because it's not used, being used for the public good. So you don't, you have property taxes and now a, like a nuisance fee because you're not doing something with it. Well, I didn't know you could do that. And the reason that hit me is I have five lots in an area called Quail Valley, and they've just been sitting there for years, and I've been paying my property taxes and de-weeding it. But if you were going to charge me thirty grand a year to keep those lots, you could have them. And then it dawned on me, oh my God, is is that their intention? Is to take your dirt? And that bothered me. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was one of the first ones. Um, when they passed the marijuana, uh, there's fines for everything in California. And there was this gentleman that had a renter with a couple hundred marijuana plants. 
and that's 195 over the limit. Oh. And the fine per plant is a grand per plant. And it becomes a lien, like a state tax lien on your house. Oh, I did not and, know that. And then I found out there's some in there's somewhere in the range of hundreds of millions of these fines. Oh. Yeah. Did not and, and it goes, it becomes a lien on the property. So the landlord is a superior lien to the first. Oh. It's part of like a state tax or you know, like your property tax. I'm surprised just, that lenders are okay with that. Maybe other well, sure they don't not. have to be okay with it. That yeah. it happens after the fact. It's sort of like those hero loans. Right. And tell me about a, those. A hero loan is when you decide I'm going to put in some things that are uh, energy efficient. And let's say as a hard money lender, I, I get a, I do a hard money loan to somebody that has a fixer upper. And they decide, you know what, I think I'll keep this as a rental and I'm going to, I'm going to do some green improvements. That's called a hero loan. That hero loan supplants my first trustee without my permission. <laughs> and as a private money lender, this really does affect you. Well, it, it certainly, it could affect you because you now have a second, not a first. Yeah. And no one asked. And it wasn't in the right order. You know, if I do a loan and I want to be a second, it's, well, that's my business as long as I know that's what I'm doing. Right. When I think I have a first and someone says, well, I, I just did about a hundred grand of improvements with my windows and my roof and all that, aren't you happy? And now you have a second. Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not happy. I, it was just bits and pieces of that type of thing. And then about a year or so ago, we had a seminar. And we had a legislative panel so we could discuss how are things decided? What is the order of when, when the public gets to vote, when the legislators get to vote, and when the governor gets to proclamate? And that was really, uh, that was a day that there was like a warning light, realizing that California could go in any direction it wanted because it had a supermajority. And I was uncomfortable with that direction. Well, I mean, even if it's not a supermajority, we voted against rent control, and then suddenly there was some form of rent control. That that's right, but that was that was what also started it. You know, when I was I was thinking about that process, and that's why we had the panel. So why did we get to vote if you could proclamate it into existence? Yeah. And there was the reasoning was there was it was kind of approached from a different angle. But if but if you have an emergency situation like the COVID then the governor gets to proclamate. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty uncomfortable. So as an investor, I just felt, I, I was glad I moved a lot of my uh, investment money outside the state of California a few years ago. But to move my person from California, that was a pretty recent development. And you're there now. I'm here now, that's right. <laughs> and that's a, that's a really big deal because you've been pretty bullish on California real estate since I've known you. Well, it comes and goes, as you know, I wrote a California crash report. So yeah, that's you know. true. <laughs> <laughs> I, We're I'm bullish actually, on California after the crash. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually really proud that we have the ability to do both directions because that's important. But mm -hmm. you have some people that are like, it's always positive and some people it's always going to, you know, crash. And every once in a while, they're right. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want an outcome. I try to look in advance to see if there is one because there's sometimes I might like to avoid the pain or, or take advantage of something that I see coming. 
-hmm. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of debate now talking about um, a foreclosure glut coming. And uh, it's interesting. I look at I look at the marketplace and I know there's a lot of people on forbearance, but I don't see a foreclosure glut coming. I don't, I don't either. That. I was curious about your thoughts on that because yeah, I don't see it either. Not with the lack of supply and the equity and the good loans that have that. Right. Well, a lot of people yeah. are still working. I mean, so why do you say that? Well, I think it's uh, the worst case scenario is you have a foreclosure, but the great majority of these homes have so much equity it would never become an REO. Mm -hmm. It would just get bought at the trustee sale or it would be listed by a realtor during the process. And how you get really big price damage, at least historically from what we've studied, is when trustee sales revert to REOs and the REOs become greater than 40% of the marketplace. It's then they start to dictate comps. So you can, I, I remember in say 2009 and 10, a 360 house had turned into a $65,000 house. We bought a 65 grand, well, you know, three bedroom, two bath house, fixed it up for 20 grand. So we were into it 85, put it in the market for 120, 25 offers in a day, and then it appraised at 95. <laughs> so, and how was that possible? Wouldn't the market be saying something pretty loud and clear 25 offers at full price or greater in a day. That's a statement of value. But according to the appraiser, I don't have any evidence that that price exists. All I'm looking at is, you know, homes without a kitchen and it's 80% of the comps at that point. And so that's how you have price damage. I don't see that there's an appetite for foreclosing on people that lost their jobs through this, you know, this type of event. I think the lenders are going to be really careful about aggressively foreclosing. I think they'll tack it onto the end, uh, maybe even do some, okay, we'll refi you at 2%. I think they'll do anything they can to not take back for foreclosure houses. Yeah, it just seems like loan modification would be sure. the, the choice. I think these we people also didn't have a lose pretty recent jobs, memory, so. kind of a recent memory of how bad it is to foreclose on so many houses and have that dictate the price of a market. So yeah, yeah I, I don't think that's going to happen. And that's great. I'm glad it does. I'm glad it won't. <laughs> Do you think there will be an increase in inventory in general? Where are we talking? California? Uh, let's start with California and then let's talk about other places like Florida. It's a good question because what happens when you refi your house with a, with a mortgage rate that starts with the two? Do you decide, I'm done, I'm staying? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's gonna go on. I think you stop the velocity of the, the normal velocity of housing when you have an interest rate that's a historic low. I think people just say, it's, I'm good. I think that's very possible that whatever percentage of the properties take that route, it'll take them off the market. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're gonna show up. I think they'll stay there. Um, I played with a title to a new report um, and it, it wasn't a 2% interest rate I was talking about. So is it possible that interest rates go even lower? I do think so. Wow. But it's really a strange, strange concept thinking about that. You know, what's really going to be interesting is Fannie and Freddie are going to go from um, the government owned to the private sector again. 
and I hope they get really aggressive in the number of loans they'll do for investors because you have these rent to own tracks and all that. I'd like to see Main Street get a portion of that type of financing to where a lot of people can start taking care of their own retirements with rental. That makes perfect sense to me. So I hope well, it Fannie makes perfect sense to you, but uh, the government, <laughs> well, if it went, if it privatized, you think? That yes, it went private because we, we were able to speak in front of Fannie Mae three times, let's say over the last 10 years. And the last time was an interesting meeting because they had all the top brass in the meeting and they even broke out into breakout sessions and they came back with really specific questions. So I could tell they were really serious. Um, their biggest problem is they don't know how to sell it while it's in the government control. Mm -hmm. There's apparently too many people that'll stand in the way and say, well, you're helping the people that caused the problem in the first place, that type mm -hmm. of stuff. Sure. But I think when it goes private, I think that'll be a niche they go after. And I think they'll start taking a look at the private investor and stop saying you can only have four, you can have 10. Does it matter if they make sense? It shouldn't. So I and think that'll happen. When do you see that privatization happening? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me within a couple of years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just got um, a lot of texts and emails and messages on Facebook from people who are really scared right now, um, who who don't know what the change is going to bring to to regulations and taxes and real estate. And I've had a lot of people say, "Should I just sell?" Um, and and the, I said, "Well, we." only have been investing in, in uh, business-friendly states. Uh, but the answer and the response has been yes, but those states <laughs> voted for Biden, um, you know, or, or at least if, if they're, you know, that it appears to be. And a Florida, lot of- Florida didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Florida didn't, yeah. Um, well, and then you've got a lot of people have been sending me mean messages. You know, these are interesting times when there's a lot of anger and hate and uh, obviously, people sending messages saying, oh, it's you Californians who are moving to the other places, bringing your politics with you. And, and you're going to change our state too, which is what a lot of people are saying about Texas. So, I mean, do you see that as a possibility where regulations um, could affect the entire country? Well, let's see. You'd have to have national, national laws. That, that seems unlikely to me. I got to ask you because I, I have had people complain about me talking about politics and then being very angry about it and giving me a one-star review. And I don't want to be cancel cultured, but I, at this, I want to say to the audience, you have to pay attention to politics. If you're a real estate investor, would you agree? Yeah, of course. Cause there's going to be policies that come out of whether you have a Trump administration or you have a Biden administration, there's going to be probably headed in different directions. And so as an investor, you do have to think about that. Um, one of the things we had that you were part of was the, the I Survived event. And we had in the second section, we had the commercial group of people. You were part of that where you were doing, you know, across different states and doing large volume and all that. And remember one of the gentlemen said something about climate change. And it, his, his statement wasn't about believing in it or not but it's a matter of fact that it's going to affect real estate. There's going to be some places that are going to have some, probably some uh, fleeing, if you will, if that's, if, if that's viewed as that's real, then that's gonna be an, uh, some element that's going to leave that area. 
Um, it's going to impact policies on energy and things like that. So you have to realize that if you're in an area that's dominated by an industry that's going to be frowned upon by a new administration, you better pay attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and you had some points about why, again, why you moved. Um, what are some of, what would be your response to these people who are reaching out to me saying, I don't know if I'm comfortable owning real estate right now? Well, moving and owning real estate is, that's two different things. You can own real estate, um, you can live there and own real estate somewhere else, right? I mean, that's basically what I did three years ago. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. I never even looked at my rentals that I had in California. I know there's people that like to manage their own stuff. I don't. So this is the honest truth. Probably three or four years ago when I had rentals in California, I could not have driven to one of them ever. I hadn't seen them in seven years. <laughs> they were well-managed, everybody paid. What do I need to go to them for? That's just my philosophy. I've probably been, I mean, I've lived in Florida for three months maybe, but I've been to Florida probably eight times since I owned my little fleet of rentals. Did I go see them? No. Never. So <laughs> I think what I tried to do was own a, own a group of properties that I didn't have to go babysit. So yeah. I think leaving California, that's, a, that's a really a personal decision. Now, are there parts of it that are, you know, I want, obviously, uh, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm going to miss my family. That's, people don't usually go, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave. Yeah. What I'm hoping for someday is that some of them relocate because I think it might be a good idea not to be there. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Wow. And you know, and it's, boy, Rich and I don't, I don't know if we'll ever leave. We just, we just love where we live. We love living near the ocean and surfing and rock climbing. I mean, it's beautiful here, but. Well, you can't have rock climbing in Florida, but you could have all the other stuff you just said. <laughs> well, I, we, we could build a rock climbing wall. <laughs> oh, there you go. The, the maps I look at that are stating that there's climate change coming and, and that will affect Florida, it still looked like there were certain areas that would be much less affected. And that's where we focus on um, and where you sure. can get lower insurance rates and out of the flood zones. Um, you know, so yeah. that's even, even with oceans rising and so forth and these predictions, there are parts of Florida that are not affected by that map for a hundred years. Sure. And so yeah, how would you, um, you know, I should say, what do you recommend for investors looking at Florida who do have concerns about climate change? Well, I think you just stated it, that stay away from something that could become a flood zone if some change occurred. A lot of this, these changes, if they do occur, are not going to be instantaneous they're going to be over long for a long period of time um so yeah the the rentals i have are in leesburg okay leesburg sort of in the middle of the state in a sense uh and not in a flood zone so we stay away from flood zones pr primarily for the same reason uh, more, more for cost per year um than okay we'll be fine in case the tide rises so I mean, I, we're just, we try to be cautious, but I'd have to say from my own opinion, it has to do with more of the cost annually of flood, flood insurance that I don't need if I have a, a home that's not in a flood control zone. All right. And then another thing we talked about on the I Survived panel was the possibility of tax benefits changing 
for real estate investors with the Biden administration. Is that something you're concerned about? Yeah, because um, what I'm most concerned about is they can go backwards and make it in arrears. In other words, oh, you did a 1031 exchange. We're not going to allow that. I know that that seems crazy, but um, California kind of did that one year. Do you remember that? They raised uh, the top the top tax and told yeah. you on December 31st, oh yeah, your, your tax rate wasn't this, it was this. It's retroactive, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I think that's not gonna occur to be honest with you, but I think, I think real estate is one of those categories that's gonna get attention. And I know this was brought up on the panel that you, know, that you were part of. And it was mentioned that that's probably kind of the holy grail because all of the people that vote in Congress have this stuff. They have big homes that when they sell and they can get $500,000 tax free, that's good for them. Um, and they have other assets. What, what's, what kind of brought this to mind is just in three properties that I'm going to be selling, I sold a residence where we, we made about 400 grand. That's not taxable. I have a rental that I bought for 80 grand that's now in escrow for 460, but it's going to be exchanged. So that's not taxable. I have a building that I bought for a third of its sale price and that's not taxable. So you add all those pieces up, I will have sold four, about $4 million of real estate, not paid a diamond tax, all the while depreciating that, that asset that went up hundreds of percent. So, I mean, if I was on the other side, I would be looking at going, isn't that sellable? In other words, couldn't we sell that to the public? What kind of nonsense is this stuff called depreciation? It's not depreciating. So I'm concerned about whoever's in that room is going to come up with some of this stuff and say, well, why don't we not do 1031 exchanges? Why are we allowing depreciation? I think now, again, how does that get enacted? Is that by proclamation of a president or is that a vote of the people? So that's where it comes down to. Well, there sure have been a lot of um, what appear to be changes to that with presidents unilaterally making decisions. And, and I don't, I don't remember it being that way before with these, you know, executive decisions. Um, do, do you think it's possible for a president to unilaterally make a decision about taxes like that? <sighs> I'm trying to think backwards. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I and I hope, you know what I hope? I hope that whoever ultimately becomes president has somehow got the ability to where we all try to relate to each other as Americans and not in different groups. You know, that's, uh, may, I'm thinking maybe that was an election technique instead of really what they want to pursue. But I, I don't want to, I, I go back to that event at the Angel Stadium when the, after 9-11, everybody sang the national anthem and stood up. And for that moment, we had no differences. We were all Americans. It was a touching thing. It was also really healthy. You know, we have so much more in common than we do different, but we're constantly looking at the differences. And I don't think that's a healthy direction. So I don't know. I, I, that's what I hope for. Same old thing. I hope everybody stops being a Democrat and Republican and becomes an American for four years. I'm, I realize that's a pipe dream by and large, you know, because everybody has their, <laughs> yeah. their agenda. So 
So moving forward, uh, will you continue to be buying rentals or are you going to take a break? Retire? No, I'm not going to retire. I still enjoy what I do, you know, and I enjoyed, I, I basically really miss speaking. I don't know. That's one thing I really love. I love to get in front of an audience and uh, I don't just talk about statistics. I talk about things that I think motivated me to do well, you know, and try to get people to raise the bar for their life. So I get a big kick out of that. So as you know, as soon as I can get back to doing that, I'll fly back to California when invited and do some stuff there. And I'll probably make some inroads in Florida and get a chance to speak here. So I'll enjoy that. So no, no plans on retiring yet. I still enjoy what I do. All right. Any last um, words of comfort for people? I mean, it sounds like you see interest rates continuing to decline, potentially home prices continue to rise because the, because the lack of inventory, I mean, in, in certain areas. Yeah. It'd be kind of hard to see a real estate taking a hit, uh, going back, I don't think the inventory is going to be bank owned. It's going to be owned by people. I think people are going to be pretty stationary when they have an interest rate that's great. So they probably say, well, I'm not moving, so you can't have my house, which means the builders are going to have some fun. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be a really good time for real estate in, in Florida, especially because again, it's getting migration of money and people. Um, that's where I want it to be. I like where I like their business model. Let's take care of people that are seniors and make their lives happy and safe. Well, there's a lot of elements that are very profitable when you, when you help that process. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, Bruce Norris, it's always a pleasure to speak with you and really an honor to get to be a part of the, I survived real estate panel. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was a fun event. That was really fun. And um, I'll be out hopefully in Florida soon. It's maybe soon meaning in six months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, take care. And we would love right. to have you come out and speak when you're ready. Okay. All right. All Kathy. right. Thank take you. Bye-bye. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. I realize sometimes my interviews are controversial and I'm sorry if I have offended anyone. But I agree with Bruce that it's important that we're able to at least discuss these things with each other instead of just going out and giving someone a one-star review. If you feel you need to do that, that's okay. I'd rather you reach out to me at Kathy at realwealth.com so we can have a discussion. And if you'd like to give a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that as well. You can learn more about us at realwealthshow.com. And on our website, you'll find a whole lot of information on some of the best markets to invest in in Florida and in Georgia and in, basically in the Southeast where a huge migration is headed. And we have referrals to really good teams in those areas, builders and property managers who can help you uh, with your investments. And while you're there, just click on the invest tab and you'll see a drop down for some of the best markets for buying real estate today. We also have referrals to property managers that have been recommended by our network of over 56,000 members at Real Wealth. We also have referrals to builders who can provide rental homes that of course are brand new and make it a lot easier to maintain when you don't live there. And we also have a network of turnkey rental property providers, which means that they buy older homes, renovate them, get them rented, and then offer them to investors as a quote unquote turnkey investment. And these teams have also been recommended by our 56,000 members or else they won't make it on the list. Again, you can check that out at realwealthshow.com. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.